Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, and welcome to the Mummy Movie Podcast, where in this episode we shall be looking at The Curse of the Mummy from 1970. This is a film I technically should have done an episode on a while ago. However, it came out in a time where it felt like every mummy movie, including this one, was based on the book Jewel of the Seven Stars by Bram Stoker. As such, partly because I could not bring myself to do yet another adaption of that book, and partly because I felt the podcast was becoming repetitive, I decided not to do that episode at that time. In terms of the layout of the episode, I shall start with some background information on the film, then a section on the historical accuracy, and finally I shall review the film. Okay, you are a barrister. One day you are summoned to the house of Abel Trelawney, a famed Egyptologist whose daughter, Margaret, you are enamoured with. Abel has fallen into a deep coma and it is up to you to figure out what is going on. Little do you know that evil is afoot. Little do you know that soon you will face the curse of the mummy. This film was the final one in the Mystery and Imagination television series, which was popular in the 1960s and very early 70s. Mystery and Imagination was a British TV show which centred around made-for-TV plays based on classic horror novels. As well as Bram Stoker, they also adapted the works of the likes of Mary Shelley, Edgar Allan Poe and many others. The film stars Isabel Black as Margaret Trelawney, Donald Churchill as Corbeck, and Patrick Mower as Malcolm Ross. (laughs) 
Now I shall move on to the historical accuracy of the film. At the beginning of the film, all of the male priests are bald. Many priests in ancient Egypt were what are called wab priests. Wab is the ancient Egyptian word for pure. And for these priests, part of the process of remaining pure was to remove all of the hair from their head and body. Therefore, it makes sense that they would be bald here. Further in the scene, Queen Terra is wearing a vulture crown. In ancient Egypt, the vulture crown symbolised the protection of the vulture goddess Nekbet. This crown was commonly worn by royal wives and female pharaohs. It therefore makes sense that Queen Terra would be wearing this as she was supposed to be a ruler of Egypt. Later in this scene, however, we then see human sacrifice performed on one of the Wab priests. Outside of the First Dynasty, there is no evidence for human sacrifice in ancient Egypt, and so this is inaccurate. Generally, human sacrifice seemed to have been replaced by things such as tomb models and Shabdi figures, which were supposed to serve the deceased in the afterlife. Later in the film, we are introduced to an Egyptologist named Korbeck. He starts telling Margaret and Malcolm about when he and Abel discovered the tomb of Queen Terra in the Valley of the Sorcerer. Firstly, as I have mentioned in previous episodes, both Queen Terra and the Valley of the Sorcerer are fictional. However, Queen Terra was inspired by the real female pharaoh Hatshepsut. Further, I feel that the Valley of the Sorcerer may have been inspired by the Valley of the Kings, which was the burial place of most of the pharaohs of the New Kingdom, including Hatshepsut, as well as some elite dignitaries. Later in this scene, Korbeck talks about the cow-headed goddess Hathor and the dog-headed god, Happy, and says that they were found at the back of the tomb in a depiction. Hathor was commonly depicted as a cow, and as the symbolic mother of the pharaoh, it does make sense that she would be associated with Queen Terra. When it comes to Happy, as far as I am aware, there are no depictions of Happy with a dog head. And considering that he is the god of the flooding of the Nile, this depiction would not really make sense. Typically, he was depicted as a human with aquatic plants on his head. At Abydos, he is also depicted with a double goose head. Corbeck then claims that he found a stealer in the tomb made of lapis lazuli. A stela is typically a large block of inscribed solid stone, usually in the shape of a modern-day gravestone. To my knowledge, one has never been found made from lapis lazuli. However, it should be noted that lapis lazuli was one of the most valuable precious stones for the ancient Egyptians. It is bright blue in colour and seems to have come, amongst other places, from the region of Badashan in northeastern Afghanistan. In general, it was used for things such as jewellery and amulets. Korbeck then says that they found the double crown of Upper and Lower Egypt and calls the red crown the Deshret crown and the white crown the Hadjed crown. These are indeed the correct names for these crowns. He then goes on to claim that only female gods wore these crowns and claims that Terra was trying to show her power over the gods by possessing them. This is not correct. Although some gods are depicted wearing the double crown of Egypt, it was actually a sign of kingship, which was commonly worn by the pharaoh. As Terra is said to be a pharaoh in the film, 
it makes perfect sense that she would wear these crowns. Finally, when we see Tara, Corbett claims that she is lying in a sarcophagus. Tara is really lying in just a coffin. A sarcophagus is a large box, normally made of stone, which contains a coffin or coffins of the deceased. It is not typical for the deceased to be simply buried in the sarcophagus and nothing else. Overall, however, I would say that there has been a little more effort put into historical accuracy in this film than most others, although it is still far from perfect. Apparently, whilst writing Jewel of the Seven Stars, Ram Stoker did a lot of research into ancient Egypt, and it feels like this may be why parts of this film are more accurate. However, it needs to be remembered that Bram Stoker released Jewel of the Seven Stars in 1903, well over a hundred years ago, and we have learned a lot in that time. Further, the sources that Bram Stoker used were mixed in terms of accuracy. In this final section, I shall review the film and just say whether I like it or not. I shall start with the parts that I did like. Firstly, I felt that the film was a lot closer to the book than any other version I have seen, although in parts it was rushed along, especially in the early film. Further, the acting in the film was decent, and there were no outstandingly bad performances. In particular, I felt the performance by Isabel Black as Margaret was really well done. At the beginning of the film, she is pretty normal. As time went on, she uses subtle mannerisms to appear creepy, but never in a particularly overt way. This was really refreshing, as mummy movies are not exactly known for subtlety. As for the script, it was perfectly fine for what it was. Although normally I would go on to a section on the parts of the film I found unintentionally funny, I do not feel it is necessary for this film. Therefore, I shall instead skip over to the parts I did not like. In a way, the fact that there is little humour here is actually one of the negatives. Not so much that there is no humour, but the fact that the film is incredibly dry in general. This was not helped by the fact that far too much of the film was based around the actors talking about their past actions, rather than showing those actions. For instance, at one point, Corbeck goes into great detail in explaining the expedition that he and Abel went on. I feel that a flashback scene to the actual events would have been more appropriate. It is fair to say that this is a TV play and that there were only a few sets for them to work with. However, one of the other sets we saw was actually the tomb of Queen Terra, and so I see no reason why this would not have been possible. It is also worth noting that Jewel of the Seven Stars itself also tended to focus far too much on the characters simply talking about their past actions. And so, in a way, this was simply the film being faithful to the source material, though I would argue that maybe it was a little too faithful. I feel that every other version had a flashback scene at this part of the story, and that it is actually a far more appropriate and engaging way of telling the story. In terms of the reviews for this film, they were pretty average. It is not listed on Rotten Tomatoes, but on IMDb it has a rating of 6.2 out of 10 currently. For me, despite its shortcomings, I actually feel that this was my favourite adaption of Jewel of the Seven Stars. I am still not a big fan of the book, but I can appreciate what they have done here, and I feel that 
this is quite a good, inoffensive film, especially just to have on in the background. Taking into account what a small budget this film had, and them only having a few sets to play with, I would give this film a 7 out of 10. Thank you very much for listening, and if you enjoyed this episode and you haven't already, why not consider liking and subscribing? And join me on Monday when we shall be looking at The Mummy from 1999, starring Rachel Wise and Brendan Fraser. See you then! Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.